0: Alright, here at the IncalCast we talk a lot about writing and stories, so we're also interested in visual storytelling. So this week we have a friend with us, Jason Wilson, who writes comic books under the name of Jay Gunn, and uh, we're going to talk about comics and how they intersect with games. So I'm John. I'm Joe. I'm Tom.
1: I'm Jason.
0: Awesome. Welcome to the Inkle Cast.
1: Thank you, John. Uh, Pleasure to be here.
0: Tell the people listening a little bit about who you are, what you do, how we all know each other.
1: Sure. Well, I, I go way back. I'm one of those ancient relics of the uh, 80s games industry, starting out on the, the spectrum. And I was working uh, in the industry from 1986 onwards, so a very long time ago. So even back in the days of the 8-bit, I was always very interested in um, the, the storytelling aspect of games. Uh, and how to visually represent that with the most basic technology. And that obviously moved into my time at uh, Sony PlayStation, from where I know John and Joe from, when we worked together on certain uh, uh, prototyping technologies. Certain projects we're not allowed to name. Yeah, we're not allowed to name. (laughs) But basically the gist of my relationship with John was working on how to deliver certain narrative devices... Uh, through gaming, graphics, and so forth, to give kind of like very interesting story mechanic driven games. Uh, and they were quite experimental in their nature.
0: I love telling this story because, like, we worked together for a long time working on interesting narrative games, and the one we shipped was a party game with a move controller. I oh, no. so waggle it up and down really fast. That is the grand <laughs> irony,
1: I think, of all our careers. We're all, we're all very kind of like, uh, yeah, narrative minded, very interested in stories. And we ended up together making a game about. But I, I think that kind
2: of that kind of reflects um, what all uh, well a lot of game developers that I know have been interested in all along. It's just we've never been allowed to make them. And then it's only because we left and went and did our own thing that we've really been able to work on that stuff. Because when I was at Sony, a load of people and and at Rare as well, like a load loads of my friends there. We talked about wanting to start a you know an adventure game company or like some kind or any or build any kind of game that has like strong narrative in it and everyone had these aspirations but somewhere along the way whether it was being able to start their own company or try to get a project to take forward internally at sony or um or rare like that those ne-
0: that never really happened it's really interesting that that happens though isn't it because like the marketing department love narrative projects of big companies mm. and the developers love narrative projects and yet narrative projects never seem to get made or just not that much or in our experience anyway though i suppose the games you did make before the waggle stick party game they were narrative <laughs> right? yeah i
1: mean even in 1988 um i had developed uh, and created a game called prison this was on the amiga of the atari st and even with that game it was basically an idea of it was a escape from new york the, the movie plot line of a guy dumped onto an alien planet he's kind of a is being fixed for a crime he didn't commit he's got to escape from this kind of like run down alien city uh, and the one thing i was very interested with that game even back in 1988 was the world building of of, of the actual the structure of, of the narrative and in that game i had day and night cycles. so as you move through the, the city day would actually, real time, turn to night. And the mechanics would change depending on if you're on the streets at night or depending on if you're on the streets at day. So different gangs would come out at certain times of day. And this is way, way, way before something like Grand Theft Auto oh, which yeah. wow. yeah. that that kind of um, time and narrative. Something we discussed earlier today, mm. um, Joe, when we were looking at the yeah. rapture about time. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Uh, a and, and narrative with time. So, But I think I got those 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 ideas for night and day came from... There was a very, very groundbreaking game on the the spectrum uh, by a guy called Mike Singleton called The Lords Lords of Midnight Midnight. which is still to this day one of my favourite games.
0: Yeah, I, I downloaded it on iOS recently and started playing it and just had that real moment of Oh my god, people in the past were intelligent too. <laughs> you suddenly yeah. realised they were. You, you sort of think that people working on old computers were making very bad chess computers yeah. the whole but time. In fact, early early I, early my,
2: early. my impression of a lot of these old games, especially ones that have like little bits of kind of board gaming, a little bit of, yeah, sort yes. of storytelling, there's a load of games
0: that are really that economical as well. Yeah, like, they exactly. has to be incredibly exactly. efficient so they just don't waste anything. Lord exactly. of Midnight yeah. is a really sprawling game with all these yes. weird modes and rules and, and different things. factions at yeah.
1: work in the, in the world that would, would you know, when you're trying to. Recruit lords. You know, mm. it basically, it's a battle game in this kind of fantasy world, Tolkien-esque world. In this kind of midwinter, uh, right. eternal winter, and you had to recruit other lords. out of armies, so you could basically mm. take the citadel of the north back from the bad guys. Which of course, you never did, because the game is ferociously difficult. It is doable. <laughs> it, it is doable. I can assure you. There are two two ended two possible endings where you could win the game through brute force and and being a military strategist. Or you could go the adventurer route and be almost like the Frodo of the game and take the, 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 the I think it was the Dark Lord's crown, you yeah, had to take it to somewhere in the frozen waste of the north and someone could destroy it, which would destroy his his, his grip on the land. So you could play it either way. So it was, again, even as a game, then it had a sandbox element of how do you want to play the game, strategically or through the adventure route. It was very so it's very interesting. interesting. It's like, do, is it that as game tech
0: has got better, as game art tech has got better and we've moved towards more and more representative games that actually look like what they're supposed to be rather than kind of graphs and menu screens and and sort of board game like layouts because Lord of Midnight is it's not quite a board game type layout but it is definitely simplified like is that what's got in the way of us doing these ambitious narrative games or like has it just become so much harder to deliver you know this kind of experience in a way that doesn't sort of contradict itself yeah
1: i mean obviously on the on the spectrum you had 48 48k of ram that's probably less than an icon <laughs> takes up on a, on, a, on an ipad <laughs> screen uh so you yeah, know we think when we're discussing lord to midnight it sounds like we're talking about skyrim or something um i think with obviously with the spectrum and it's certainly true of a lot of indie game development recently it, it's that abstraction isn't it it's obviously, they're very, very limited technically in, in the, the scope of the RAM they can use for, for graphics and even the AI, but it had a very abstracted look. You know, I, I'm sure the developer made it winter this, you know, the, the midnight winter world because they didn't have many colours on the spectrum so it was like black on white okay I'll make it winter then yeah. so you don't, don't have to render you know colourful well, summery landscapes the, the guys who made the Banner Saga
0: um, that's set in a sort of it's Viking myth inspired but in a world where the sun has set and isn't yes. coming back which yeah. is beautifully evocative but yeah. they said it was basically so they didn't have to do a day night Absolutely like, which correct. is a great piece of yes. designer narrative and it starts you off on this really interesting narrative position yes. and that's fine like, it's sort of a gimmick and it's sort of not because it's so integral yes. to, to the story. Yeah, I
1: mean, you can certainly create narrative from technical limitations, can't you? I mean, I'm sure anyone who's written a book has, you know, even your life you have lived uh, can be constrained, or you could have had you know, adventures around the world which you draw for experiences, or you may have never left your bedroom and just read lots of history. So therefore, you're you're kind of capitalising creatively on your experiences, which, in terms of technology, is the actual technological limitation. So you cut your cloth. To create your narrative or, or your 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 fiction or whatever it is you're creating, a comic or a video game, and with the Lords of Midnight, that abstraction that I found when I was a, a young kid playing this game, I, I played, I really believed in that world. You yeah. know, I believed that those lords were living, breathing characters because they had a few parameters where, you know, the Lord of of Uthag doesn't like the Lord of Katan. and so you, in your mind, you create reasons why they don't like That's each what other. I love uh, like, when you get back to that sort of the whole thing that makes computer narratives
0: exciting is that sense that you, you believe these things are a little bit alive because they, they do just a few things outside of your yes. control. like They have a bit of personality Absolutely. of their own and you can test it. You can yes. ask the Lord of Ulthrag and it turns out he really doesn't like the Lord yes. of it. It'll just like you thought or you can wind him up about it. You can take a little bit of action to test yep. something that you thought was true and it works. Yes. And just that responsiveness is what brings it all to life for me. And like, it yes. gets so muddled in kind of... High budget games somehow. Oh, absolutely! There's so much in the way. Yeah, so, if
1: I play something like Skyrim, which I really do enjoy, um, the, there's so much content there and so many characters, and 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 it's not They've tried to make it as realistic as they possibly can in, in, with the technology that they have. And because they have got clunky animations, and because they've only got a few voice actors that are that are <laughs> acting the cast of hundreds, but you always hear the same five voices basically. Somehow it's less believable in my mind than playing something like The Lord's Rings yeah. because I'm projecting my own personality into the simplistic delivery of that work. So, which, is fine, that, sorry, which is what I think you guys did really well on like 80 Days in that, mm. you know, visually it, it's got its constraints and it's got a certain abstract style, but but you, you kind of fill in the lines between what you don't so see. So
2: what, what I think's interesting about that is it's interesting taking Skyrim as an example because... Um, well, for me, Oblivion, when I played Oblivion, for me, that was this huge grand adventure where everything was kind of explicitly told to me with, like, audio and video and everything. So, um, it, despite it being a high production value game, when I went back to it just to see what it looked like, it nowadays it looks really ropey, and clearly yeah, yes. what I was actually doing was being... Um, uh, I, w- I was al- I was allowing it. I, w- I was allowing you, you it were filling in the I w- gaps. I, w- I was yes, already filling really, in yeah. the gaps, even for that kind of game. So I think we're already kind of forgiving, even the highest production value
0: games, yeah. and we're just not aware of it because we want to enjoy it. It's them. a weird thing, isn't it? There's expectations like I. I did this talk at the weekend at a narrative panel where I admitted, it's on YouTube now, so I can't take it back, That I don't like The Witcher 3 very much, so I'm going to be open <laughs> about that now. But like, and the writing is great, but I did feel like I was playing it through Google Translate, that like somewhere there was a writer telling a good story. It was being filtered through like slightly clunky animations, relatively good voice acting, a, blum, a clumsy interface, and a quest system, which didn't make any sense in the context of the story they were telling, through to me. And I was kind of trying to work out what the writer had originally been intending, But because the game had been sold as like Game of the Year, amazing, hundreds of awards, I wasn't prepared to forgive it anything. Every time it it glitched or mucked up or or kind of didn't make sense, I'd kind of go, well, what was the point of that? Why are you wasting my time with this stuff? Whereas I think if I was playing Tomb Raider 2,
1: I'd be way more forgiving of everything. So what what you're kind of describing really is almost like the uncanny valley of the 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 world, isn't it? So that brings us uh,
2: neatly onto the next topic, which I, th- I think you need to talk about your comics a bit because um, they're an example of a medium where you're definitely doing a lot of feed it, filling in the blanks. Uh, uh, I, my nice, my favourite example is um, from Scott McLeod's Understanding Comics where he, he talks about um, all of the action happening in the space between the panels, which is a really nice way to think about it. So. Yeah, I
1: mean, um, comics are... Uh inherently on the surface, a a, a static medium. When you're creating a comic, or when I'm creating a comic, because I come from the video game background, I'm always wanting to want something to move or I want someone to press a button or something or, or interact with the comic. But I don't actually really like interactive comics mm. to a certain degree because they seem like this halfway house between animation and When comics. you say that, you mean they're like the iPad ones with bits of animation? Yeah, 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 it, yeah. It's not really yeah. kind of yeah. like a comic. Yeah, I mean, there are, there are certainly excellent ways you can go about it and I know you guys are moving into the kind of more the visual representation of, of storytelling which I don't really see as an interactive comic I see it it's something way beyond mm. that. Mm. Um, so, yes, yeah, so as you mentioned, Joe, um, the example you just used, there is certainly time dilation in a comic page as an, as a, an artist and writer the way you lay out your panels of your sequential art, and the way you force the reader's eye to read the speech bubbles and move their eyes across the panels is the advancement of time. So the more panels you put in there, and the more you break up the speech bubbles, the slower time will go as the, mm. as the players as the players see that again, <laughs> as the reader is is scanning across the page and turns the page. So you can slow and speed down time. You can have an action scene. Which is a few panels, which comes across as you know really sharp and punchy, or you can sprout mm. you know you can lay out more panels and more pages to make action seem seem longer. So there are certainly narrative devices that one has to consider when laying out comic pages in the same way that you would if you were directing a, a, a movie or even mm. playing a game in terms of how much interaction you would have.
0: So um, I, I just finished reading your sort of first... Phase, surface, first comic, tension. surface Tension. My first first book, we, should, yeah. we should say the name Surface yes, Tension yeah. first game by writing under the name of J-Gun. J Gun, I, yes. I just finished reading that the other night actually and on that I was wondering there's a lot I mean a lot of it is laid out in a fairly sort of or well, what seems to my eye, I don't read many comics, there's a fairly standard layout, you know, it does the job, it tells the story, and then every now and then, four, five, six times an episode, an, episode? an issue, that's the word, <laughs> um, there'll be some kind of interesting layout where the, the, the picture is arcing this way or kind of something looming over something else or it's a double panel. With those things, do you do you see that construction in your head before you start? Do you have to try various versions? Do you go back to reference and go, oh, I remember something that this guy did in this book here? Oh, absolutely.
1: <laughs> d- and some of those references are actually video games. Um, yeah, with, with, with surface tension, those moments where you might see a page where there's some kind of interesting panel layout, in, in, in grammatical terms... They're, they're exclamation marks they're, they're kind of the end of a. or mm. if you were telling a joke that's the punchline, or or if it's a, a tv show they're the cliffhanger moments so you're always trying to get the reader to want to turn the page mm. but you also wanted to give interesting layouts to create an emotion again colors which, which again goes into the film and, and video game design you know the emotion of colors the emotions of a panel if i want to show for example there's a sequence in surface tension where uh there's a moment where two characters are scuba diving and everything's is, 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 the world is shown as, as beautiful, so therefore you use colours that show beauty and, and cool and tranquility and, and the water. So you kind of, I laid the panels out so they were rippled. So mm-hmm. I had this moment of peace just before you kind of then increasing the the the, the, the tempo and, the, and the, the pressure those characters are under by again changing the panel out on the next few pages. Mm-hmm. But in terms of, of what I th- saw other people doing and how I kind of turned that into producing some parts of surface tension, one uh, of my first draft of Surface Tension, well not my first draft, my first final version of Surface Tension, I-, I read through it and I sent an email to my editor in London at Titan Comics and I said, what this comic is lacking for me personally is world building and it's something I was always really interested uh, in my video game work on something like, for example, Medieval, I mean, me- less so Medieval 2, but certainly Medieval 1, where I was the, the lead designer of the game, was the world building aspects of it. Stuff that people could actually actually skim through the game and not read all the crazy little books that were dots around the world that showed you the, the history of Galamir in that game. But there was lots of things in there that if the player wanted to take the time, it made this world richer. And Now, this, mm. this, this is very traditional nine in games. It's nothing new, but mm. back then it, was, it was, wasn't so widely used. Uh, and even to this day, I get people email me about that game or it's even forums where people discuss, I'm sure you you guys will find this if you're not already, where people are discussing incidental details like we just put into the game as a bit of a joke and then to them it's got big meaning. Mm. So you always have to be aware that, you know, it's funny and amusing to us just to put these little details in yeah, People yeah. will take them really seriously in the way that I might uh, discuss Blade Runner with John and talk about all the hidden depth of certain, you know, shot compositions or a line of dialogue where, at the time, they might have just made that up. Like the sequence where... Roy Batty is dying at the end of the film. That wasn't actually mm. scripted. Right, yeah. Yeah, he wrote some lines. So, oh, <laughs> oh really, I wrote these lines? And they ended up going into the film and they everyone talks about this profound moment. I'm sure for the actor, you know, he probably did bring a lot of that character to those lines, but they're incidental things that just get created, so it's very organic. So with surface tension, I said to my editor, I think this is lacking world building. And one of the games I always admired for its world building, because it was quite a linear game that you couldn't really deviate through the game. There wasn't really much of a sandbox element. It was Half-Life Two, in that you had your journey from this Berlin-esque city across the wilderness um, to reach your end goal. But through that route, as you're playing the game, there was no cutscenes where it was passive. You were always interacting with the world. But characters would discuss certain events within the world itself. And as a player, you could tune out, not listen to him, but you could also just look around this room like I am doing right now. I'm describing this room to you. I'm in a conservative room. It's John's office. There's a gigantic uh, Victorian doll's house. So that kind of what does that say about him? And on the wall, there's, there's a map of, of Sorcery 2 or 3. So, so revealing let's the trace behind the yeah. Yeah. Carton, Let's you know, make right? this interactive
0: fiction. Text in your verbs. What should Absolutely. Justin do? What should I do next? <laughs> Open the drawers,
1: but not that drawer. Yeah. But in Half-Life, that was part of the game world. You could look around this world and you could glean clues to the world of the game which characters wouldn't actually say through actual you know, verbal dialogue. So you're building a picture and you're building up the texture of the world just by, just by exploring it, but there was no gameplay. It, mm. it, didn't, it, it didn't enhance your actual physical gameplay experience, but it enhanced you and nourished you kind of like mentally and you built up a picture. So with Surface Tension, I said to my editor, it's, it's, it's lacking that. It's got all the action and the plots there, but it needs to slow down a bit. So I went back and added four pages to issue one, if anyone's it ready. It's just characters walking through the world. It's just a little observation of, of, of like, oh, how are we going to farm this field so we survive the winter? oh oh, there's people going to church There seems to become like a new religion starting on the island because of this this event that's happened there's always an event in these Mm. kind of science fiction things so it was just giving you a texture and for me that's really important yeah I I
0: really loved particularly in Sona's tension the the shell people religion I just Mm. thought that was because it's introduced really early on and then it's kind of left and then it reappears a bit towards the end of the series but just it really gave you that sense of this is actually going to be a bit weird Mm. like obviously the plot itself is somewhat odd um but it, it gave you that sense of this was kind of weird in that slightly John Wyndham kind of way, which I think it was really riffing on. I really enjoyed. So we're running out of time. It's been a very long chat. I thought I'd yeah. one last quick provocative question, which is, <laughs> games are always learning from cinema. Should games, can games learn more from comics? Quick answers.
1: I'll give a quick answer. Sorry to butt in. Um, with comics, I think that there was a lot of very, in the last, 20 years, 20, 10 years, been a very creative indie comics. In a, I see it mirrored in games development in that people self-publishing, doing really interesting stories. They're not traditional superhero tropes. Uh, one of my favourite comics is called The Walking Man by Jiro Tanaguchi, which is a guy who just walks across his suburbs of Japan. He takes different routes to work and all the things he experiences and enriched by taking a different walk, down suburbs he's not familiar with, and he's like, "Oh, that tree's really nice, i go and climb it, and has a different perspective on his life around him. There's no monsters, there's no enemies, no bad guys, no plot, but it's just a really beautiful exploration, and I'm, I'm seeing more games like that, which so I think is very The cool. walking simulator. <laughs> yeah, the walking simulation, which is appearing in games like Rapture, mm. uh, you know, comics did it first, so, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm always inclined to say no, Text Adventures did it first. Right? Oh, that's true.
2: I think I'm, I'm super interested in what comics can do for games in terms of um, the hand drawn 2D art is extremely expressive, especially for characters. And the fact that you don't have animation in um, comics, but you can still express pacing and really strong narrative. Um, and it's also still a relatively inexpensive medium although there are individual authors who spend years on on their work compared with the massive teams that you need to produce a game I think there's a lot of lessons to be learned there both from an
0: art to production and a narrative point of view yeah I think for me I'd say something along the lines of what you said about the expressive characters that Games are always riffing off film, but if you look at the way that film stories are told, it's almost entirely close-ups of actors' faces delivering Mm. relatively complex emotions through the way they use their eyes. There's not actually that much dialogue in most films. Mm. That's incredibly difficult to replicate in a computer game. In fact, all games fail it, because they can't do eyes, because they're just not good enough. Whereas comic books... No offence to any comic book artists out there, but that's not how they work. They, their dialogue tends to be a little bit more exposition-y, a little bit clearer, mm, yeah. and a lot of it's about the juxtaposition and how characters sit in the world, which actually games can do. Mm-hmm. So I kind of feel like the language of... Every time I pick up a comic, I think the language of comics is what I need to be learning, not yes, film scripts. exactly. That's really hard to unlearn yeah. the film thing that we're all so exposed to the whole yeah. time. So I think that's really mm. interesting. I think time. for me, it's like,
2: um, like we were saying earlier, you know, like films show, they don't tell, and that's always the maxim. And what comics can do is that they can tell and show. Like, you could never turn The Sandman into a film. Like, they've tried, but you can't mm. do it because it's so expressive and it's, it's totally between the panels. And I'm super interested to see if,
1: there's, if it's possible for a game to pull that off. Mm. I think Journey, uh, one, of the, one of the last games that I really cra- raved about was Journey in that there was no dialogue. Mm. Uh, your character was always small on screen, wasn't it? And that, that was uh, the abstraction of that world. In a way, going full circle to the beginning of the Lords of Midnight. Yeah. The abstraction of that world was a thing that I I filled in all the blanks and created my own story as I I travelled through that uh, little slice of 60 minutes of uh, gameplay in in, in quotations.
2: Well, I guess we'd better wrap up then. Uh, Thanks so much to Jason Wilson for coming in, a.k.a. Jay Gunn. the writer of Surface Tension. Where can we buy your comics? Uh, hopefully all good comic
1: stores. <laughs> um, Is it published in the US, by the way? It's published in the US and the UK, uh, Titan Comics, uh, Jay gun and it came out um, beginning of March, and I'll be doing a little signing events around the country, there's so one in Orbital tomorrow, but I guess by the time this uh, podcast goes out, that's probably already done and dusted. But yes, you can you can buy it on uh, Amazon, Kindle, Comicsology, or hard copies from from uh, Food and Plant. Cool. cool. Thanks awesome. for coming in. Thanks a lot. No bomb cast.